You're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network, featuring news, interviews, and commentary on all things Black Hollywood. Hollywood redefined. From Los Angeles, California, presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is Black Hollywood Live Portraits, featuring intimate, in-depth interviews with Black Hollywood stars and influencers. Black Hollywood Live, Hollywood redefined. You're listening to Black Hollywood Live. And now, the host for Black Hollywood Live Portraits, Dario Kristen. Hey, what's up, everybody? You're watching Black Hollywood Live Portraits. I'm your host, Dario Kristen, and here joining me is Courtney Stewart. What's up, everybody? DJ Jesse J. What up? And our very special guest today is a very talented spokesperson, actor, activist. Wilson Cruz is in the house with us today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Welcome. Thank welcome. you for having Thank us. Thank you. Now, I, this has probably been a busy couple of months for you with all the Pride activity and GLAD activity. And I mean, I know this weekend is San Diego's Pride. We, we are a very proud people. You are <laughs> proud, proud we folks. We really are. Proud Not even folks. That glad, Exhausted. Baby. I can't be any more proud than I am. <laughs> well, we're proud that you're proud. Thank you. Thank you. Now, now I, you have I, to hibernate from your hibernate, pride. Right. right. I'm going to have to rebuild my pride the, for, the rest of the year. for the rest of the year. Yeah. Now, I've read that this year's L.A. Pride was actually one of the largest uh, that's ever occurred here with the amount of people. It looked big. Yeah, we had a pretty big contingency for, for us. We don't, you know, we don't have like 70, you know, 700 uh, staff members at GLAD, so we have a lot of our supporters who join us. Um, so we had, a, we had a nice size uh, group there with us. But it, it looked big. It looked like a, a big, nice big parade. A nice big parade, yeah. yes. Now, you... S- have been in this business for a very long time and we, I feel like we've watched you just blossom and grow throughout the years. Now, starting off as a young kid growing up in New York, mm. how did you get involved with acting at the beginning of your career? Uh, the public school system. You know, I was um, from very early on, I, whether it was playing an instrument or uh, taking dance class or um, in the choir, uh, I always knew I knew pretty early on that I was going to be an artist uh, of some form. Um, I started by dancing. Um, I studied dance, and then I um, I played three instruments. And wow. then um, one of the the theater teachers in in high school actually was saw me in saw me in one of the show choir because I was in the show choir. Oh yes, yeah, <laughs> uh, the original Glee. Thank the you. original Glee uh, <laughs> uh, saw me and he was like, "You should be in my play." And I was like, "Okay, sure." You know, um, so it started that way. And then uh, I, I took a commercial acting class. We had moved here by the time I was in my my uh, teens uh, to California, and so I took a commercial acting class. And then there was an agent there who saw me and started sending me out and so I was 16 when I got when I had my first agent and um and my first series when I was 19 and you're tuning are. in to the Black Hollywood Live Network featuring news all right, all right. and, and we have a little bit of soundbite there <laughs> <laughs> they wanted to come in the what, unexpected soundbite what was your the transition like uh from New York to LA for you um I'm still transitioning from, <laughs> from New York to LA well you know the thing is you know throughout throughout my 40 years on this planet I keep going back and forth you know mm-hmm. so um I literally just came not literally but I was I was in New York for I've, I've been back from New York for two years I was in New York for two years before that and I was here for eight years and back and forth so wherever 
you know, whether it's stage, I'm in New York. If it, if I'm if I'm looking for stage work, I go back to New York. My brother's in New York. My f my parents are in, are in Orlando. Um, I love both places. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm not one of these haters who's like, <laughs> oh, L.A. is, you know, I, I love L.A. You know, I love being in my car. Uh, I love having my NPR on and my, <laughs> my tunes or whatever. Um, I, I love the weather here. I like the people. I love New York. I love, you know, being out till all wee hours of the morning and, you know, doing my thing with my friends and having something, you know, having those options. Um, there's nothing like the energy that is in New York. So I'm, I'm fortunate. I, I, I know that I am privileged that I get to um, experience both cities and enjoy both cities. Um, and I love them both for very different reasons. Yeah. What do you think the biggest difference between the actor sort of performance communities of New York versus L.A.? Because a lot of people make the big complaints about... Um, the, you know, I, I think that, you know, obviously in... And if, although, you know, I was about to say something, and, and it's, that's not even necessarily true anymore. I was going to say that mo mostly in New York, the actors there are looking to do more stage work. But there's been such a huge influx mm -hmm. of, of um, television and film production in New York, especially in the last five to six years, yeah. that um, there's a lot of opportunity there for an actor or, or actress to, to do television and film. So um, I think that I will say this. Um, I, in my in my experience, and I'm not saying you know <laughs> someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that there's something to be said for the experience you gain from being on a stage yeah. in New York. Um, and there's so many opportunities to be on stage in New York, whether it be off Broadway or off off Broadway, and that experience um, of learning on the job and what you bring and, and that that you bring to an ex to a, a television or film experience. Um, is is invaluable, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing like the live theater. So, um, if you can do that, and you can embody that from head to toe and experience that under those under those circumstances and that pressure, um, you will uh, thrive in television and film. Um, that being said, it is a different animal, right? Like you yeah. do performing on camera um, is very different from performing on stage. So. Um, there's a lot of opportunity for you here in, Cal in, La in Los Angeles to practice being on camera and, um, and harnessing that, that talent. Um, so, you know, whether you're in New York or in L.A., in the end, my advice to any actor is um, stop dreaming about it and start doing it. Yeah. Start doing the actual work that you want to do, whether you need to create it for yourself or um, taking jobs that you think are below you, um, you know, it's about being in front of a camera or being on a stage and doing the actual work. And, and even if you think it's not a great piece of material, your job as an actor is to make it better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think whether you're in L.A. or New York, that holds true. Yeah. And then you studied theater and English at California State University, San Bernardino. I did. And that was education always something important to you outside of just to become an actor? Yeah, well. I was a nerd. I was a total nerd in school. Uh, I liked school. I was one of those guys, who, people who, who enjoyed the experience of being in school and being in university and 
studying and what was your favorite study in, in school uh i i really was like a big social studies history oh english social love studies it. yeah oh. i loved that stuff yeah. you know like civics i was i was that like guy totally into yeah that. i loved it um i was not into science which is weird because i'm fascinated by science now i don't know there's maybe it was the way it was being taught uh but um shade in your school I'm, uh, <laughs> right i was like that was real shady right <laughs> That's right. You Just suck. Playing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, so I mean, I was I loved school. I loved school, and and uh, I left early, obviously, because I was 19 when I went to go do my so-called life, and so I never finished university. Um, boo. Um, <laughs> but like you know, I I had the university and of of learning on the job, mm-hmm. um, and so I went and did what I what I was there to learn to do. Right, I went to school to learn be an actor and I got that opportunity and so I left to, to do it um, but um, but that the great thing about Cal State San Bernardino was the fact that as a freshman and as a sophomore I actually got to work on stage as yeah. opposed to if I went to a big school with a big program I would have never seen the stage until I was a senior probably um, so my plan was that I was going to become a, a drama teacher, but in the state of California, you can't yet get your teaching credential in theater. You have to get it in something else. Huh. Um, yeah. that, and and okay. out of all the states for that to be the, I know. The, <laughs> right. the rule, that's right. crazy. It's crazy. So I, was getting, so I had a double major of theater and English, so I was going to become an English teacher who also taught drama. Hmm. So there was a lot of overlap with the whole Shakespeare thing. Yeah. <laughs> And would you ever want to go back and finish up the degree? I would degree? go back. Um, I don't know where I would fit that in now. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, ideally, yes. That would be nice. would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Now, My the, mom would like that. Your mom would like that? Yeah. Now, at the age of 19, you were a very courageous man. You came out to your parents and telling your mother first and then your father. How did you build up that curse to actually go in there and, and present your, your life to them? Um, well, you know, the, the, the circumstances were that I, um, I knew that I was about to go do this series, right, in yeah. which I was playing the first openly gay teenager on a primetime television show here in the States. And so um, I knew that I was going to be out, right? I knew I, was gonna, I wanted to talk about the experience of LGBT youth and how this character was portraying uh, the experience of LGBT youth. And so I thought, well, I should probably tell my parents first. Yeah. Um, and so... I literally remember having a conversation with the universe and saying, you know, when, when, when the right time comes, just, you know, make it apparent to me and make it plain. Um, and so I, I told my mom first when she was driving around, you know, she was driving her car and she just turned to me at one day and asked me if I was gay and I thought, okay, so this is it. Yeah. This is the universe. <laughs> so this is the mom. They say moms always uh, know, too. Right. Well, <laughs> so she says, so she asked me and I said, yes, I am. And she, like, loses her mind, right? And, like, starts crying and, like, the mascara is running and she looks like a raccoon. And um, <laughs> I have her pull over the car and I'm, like, telling her to calm down. And she's very Puerto Rican and very dramatic. And she was, and she all of a sudden, like, out of nowhere, calms down and she's like, I knew. <laughs> and I was like, well, what was the rosary for? Um, you know, why are you, like, going through all of that drama a few minutes ago? She was like, well, you know, we're all actors. Uh, wow, I love it. And then my father was a few, but she was like, but you, you're going to have to tell your dad. Oh. And I was like, well, yeah, I didn't expect you to go in there and tell him. But um, so a couple months later, 
Christmas Eve, my dad asks me if I'm gay, and that did not go as well. He, uh, he ended up kicking me out of the house, and I had about... Uh, that was December, that was Christmas Eve, and so we were shooting. We started to shoot in April, and so I had about four months between um, Christmas Eve and when we started shooting the series, um, in which I lived in my car um, and and on friends' couches, and you know made do until we started um, we started filming. So um, that experience was very informative to me. Yeah. Um, you know hanging out with young people who d who did not have a light at the end of their tunnel, right? Yeah. Like, I knew that I was going to be on a television series yeah. in four months. There were kids out there on the street who had been kicked out of their homes and had no hope and had no light to um, or, or anything like that to look forward to. So um, I, I grew up pretty fast um, and learned a lot and um, was, you know, became very grateful for my circumstances very quickly. Were you ever scared to take that role on, in a sense that you hadn't come out to your parents yet, you know, and there wasn't yeah, of anything on television like that? I mean, I think, I don't know that scared is the right word. I think I was um, anxious about it, absolutely, um, especially with what everyone around me was telling me, that it would ruin my career and that I would never work again yeah. and that, you know, I would be typecast and... Um, How did you overcome those those thoughts? Because those thoughts, I feel like out here, uh, they cause such a big depression in kids because we don't have those role models on TV where we can say, oh, I can relate to this guy because, you know, he's not as feminine as I am, but he still represents the same things. Like, how did you get over those thoughts of, okay, I can be openly, I can be openly out and still get the, have a career, still have jobs and well, not be scared I, of that? Well, I think that... Um, you know, I was, a, I was a student of history, right? I still am a student of history. And one of my favorite quotes is by Gandhi, and he said, you know, you, you need to be the change you want to see in the world. And, um, and even at 19, I thought, well, I didn't have that. I didn't have anybody saying, or look, saying to me that I could be and do whatever I wanted. Yeah. Um, I had no one to look to. And so I wanted to be that for somebody else. Um, and I and I believed that the universe would support me in in that because I knew that it was the right thing to do. So I took a leap of faith, but I knew that in taking that leap, there was going to be something there to catch me. I just had that faith. That's what faith is, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Taking a step and not knowing if there's if there's anything there. Yeah. Um, and so um, I knew that it was going to be okay. And and this this um, fallacy about. Um, typecasting didn't really faze me because I really believed that even if I played gay characters for the rest of my life, you know, all, all, all gay LGBT people and all gay people are not the same, right? right? I, I, could, yeah. I, could, I could and have created a career playing gay characters, and if you lined them up, not they're, really. they're not, they're, they're very, um, they're very different, at least in my head they are. And so, um, I, I was I was fine with that, and and if I and I also thought, well, what a great niche, right? What a, mm -hmm. you know, if we're thinking about branding ourselves as for yeah. if we're actors and we're thinking ourselves as a, as a as a brand, um, what a great brand to have. That here's a person who is willing to t to take on those roles yeah. and make them different and inform them with. Um, uh, the complexity of the human experience, whatever that is, right? Um, um, so. I, you know, I, I did go in um, anxious but fearless. Mm. Um, and not to say that there were not times when um, 
when I did not work. Yeah. Right, but mm-hmm. I th- I don't know any actor who could say that. <laughs> That's true. That, yeah. that, could, that can't Those are say far that. It has nothing to do with you, yeah. Right. Yeah. I, you yeah, exactly. know, I, have, I have straight white friends who are actors who were on series, and they're not work. They were they haven't worked all the way through their career either. Yeah. Um, the fact that um, I'm go- I'm you know t- t- my 21st year in the business, and I still make my living predominantly as an actor. That I'm about to start on a new series come this fall uh, is, you know amazing to me and i'm Absolutely. so grateful for that yeah. so with my so-called life were you able to kind of put your own input on the character and were they very open to listening to that or? yeah you know there was a there was um you know the the creator of the show uh winnie holzman um talks she and i have talked a lot about this and she says that she knew who this person was and obviously she did um and she but she also talks about the fact that when i walked in the door for for the audition um, she was like, you were the person that I saw in my head, and I didn't wow. even know who you were. So wow. um, uh, some of it was um, autobiographical, yeah. you know, in terms of, of my experience. Some of it was inspired by, by true events, but she doesn't even remember it that way. She just remembers that was the story she wanted to tell, and it just happened to have happened to me as wow. well. So um, I think she listened to me and what my experience was um, and let that inform the way she told the story. Um, but she she was very open to all of us, all the kids on on the show. We all got um, FaceTime with her, and she listened intently. Um, and same goes true with Margaret Nagel, who's now doing Red Band Society, who happened to be an actress on My So-Called Life as well. So it's all full circle. <laughs> yeah. And then that show was so groundbreaking, and, and they, they dealt with issues that all teenagers were going through. It was almost ahead of its time. Do you, did you feel that way at the time, or did you realize like how important the show was to just the world? Um, you know, the great thing about that experience was we were we were really young, um, but we made most of those episodes before. Uh, can I say most? I would say we we made a lot of those episodes before they even aired. Wow! So we made them in this vacuum, this really lovely, mm. comfortable uh, vacuum of of creativity, and there was no. We were not affected by what anybody thought about it yeah. or how anybody was was. Um, reacting to it, um, all we had was what was on the page and what we brought to it and how we felt about it. And what a beautiful way and place to create, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, wait, what was the question? <laughs> did you feel like it was? Gr- oh, so was it? Did we, so, so my point in saying that is that while we were doing that, we felt it was really special, yeah. right? We thought it was um, really great. We thought we were we we were so in awe of each other and of each other's work. Um, and of the storytelling, um, that we did think it was special. I, I obviously felt um, uh, some responsibility, right? Because yeah. I was playing this first gay teenager on TV, and um, I, I knew how important it would have been to me. Yeah. So for me to sit there and not and, and deny the fact that I, I was unaware of that it would be a lie. Um, so yeah, I, I, was, I was aware. Um, but I didn't let that put so much pressure on me that it that it, um, uh, it didn't allow me to do the work, right? Yeah. Like, I, it, it excited me. What's a moment outside of the show uh, that kind of gave you an aha moment? Like, wow, my character is really relating to people. It's, you know, making people change <laughs> their lives. Or... Um, well, once the show did start airing, right, um, the mail started coming in. And um, that's when it got real, right? Um, when... And, and you can't um, 
not be affected by the fact that you're receiving a letter from a 14-year-old kid who said that he wanted to kill himself. Yeah. And he didn't feel alone all in the world anymore because of what he was seeing on TV. And, you know, when you're 19, 20 years old and you read that, you're like, oh, that's, that's crazy, you know. But then I remember I felt that. I, I, I remember you feeling that to way, it, too. Yeah. Um, and knowing and, and taking in the fact that I could comfort somebody in some way through something like a television show um, was really powerful, right? And made the work even more important. Um, And there were a lot of those letters. That's what's crazy. And to be honest with you, the show is still on the air and I still get those letters. I'm sure. Um, I still watch the reruns. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I can't watch. That the hair alone. Oh. <laughs> it was the nineties. It was all good. That's it was so everybody great. had it. Yes. Um, I, I, guess you can I, I mean, I love it. Yes, I. back. Actually, actually, that hairstyle is back. I is see it back? kids. I see well, kids. y'all can have it. <laughs> <laughs> I had it, and you can keep it. No, uh, no but I, I love it. Obviously, I just I can't. I literally I have to go to watch a short t- tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow night at Outfest that I'm in, and I'm dreading it. <laughs> I, I, I have. I'll Why, sit what's in the hair look like in the show? My hair's good. No, you just don't like to watch. <laughs> watch you just don't like to watch your own performances. No, because you know, I mean, I know that's it's so cliche. You hear actors say it all the time, but yeah. we really do sit it's there and go and critique it. And yeah, yeah, you don't. You're not actually experiencing it the same way as everybody else is. You're just sitting there, go. You know. You're not you're you're not part of the throwing up in your mouth. Yeah, you're sitting there going, "Oh, really? That's how you're gonna do it?" You know what I mean? And and there obviously was a a lot of talent that came from that show: Claire Danes, Jared Leto, um, Tom Irwin. Yeah, you've heard of them, right? Do you still keep in contact with any of them? Um, I I here's the thing. Here's the thing, and I've been asked this a lot: is that um, we do see each other, right? We run into each other. Um, I, I speak to AJ Langer, who played Rayanne on the yeah. show, and Devin Odessa and Devin Gummersall. Yeah. AJ Rayanne, uh, uh, AJ, I'm sorry, AJ Claire and uh, uh, Devin, the three women, uh, are all moms now, uh, which is freaky. <laughs> uh, uh, if I run into them, if we see each other, it's as if we had never said goodbye, right? Yeah. It's like, we're right back there again. Um, I have such deep love for them because there, there are six people in the world who, there are only six people in the world who know what that experience was like. Yeah. It's really special and, um, and I'm so proud of them, right? Like that they all have gone on to um, be successful in their own right, in their own way and um, I'm, I'm really, I'm in awe of them mm-hmm. and uh, so yeah, I see Claire, and it's like, oh my God, you know, it's like, yeah. So, and there was a bit of a reunion uh, last year at the Austin Television Festival, and there was yeah, Bess Armstrong yeah. and Devin, the two Devins, Devin Gummersall, Devin Odessa, Winnie Holzman was there. Bess Armstrong, who played Claire's mom, was was there, and we had a, you know, there were drinks involved. <laughs> <laughs> drinks are always good. It's Austin. That's what you got to do in Austin. Yeah. yeah. What did you think of Jared Little's turn in Dallas Buyers Club, like when you first saw it? Um. You know, I thought that the I thought the movie was 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 really great. I thought he um, I thought he took it very seriously and um, was clearly um, 
invested, mm-hmm. right, to in, in what he was doing. And, um, you know, he really gave her this uh, humanity that we hadn't really seen in a film um, that dealt with a transgender character. Um, you know, it, it was eye-opening for a lot of people. And um, that whole era was um, rich yeah. with pain and um, misunderstanding of people and fear on so many levels, right, of people dying, mm-hmm. of not understanding each other across uh, across gender identities, across race, across socioeconomic conditions, across sexual orientation, um, across seroconversions. You know, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's Shakespearean almost. Yeah. Um, and so I thought that he, um, I thought he was really beautiful. You know, I was really proud of him. And <laughs> first that he took, that he took on the role, right? Like, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you think he was going to do that? <laughs> no. like, I, you know what I mean? Uh, I would have done it first. Uh, <laughs> I thought. But um, so I was really proud of him. Yeah. You know, and he's like a rock star. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. On, on top of all of that. Jordan yeah. Catalano had, for life. And yeah. He is. He was like, yeah. what? Yeah. That's my boo. <laughs> and then there was, uh, even with, back to kind of a little bit with my so-called life, um, there was a lot of rumors about why the show was canceled. Mm-hmm. And I, some have said it's we because Claire wanted to leave. We and so Oh, I'm, listen, like I said, <laughs> so I'm still watching upset. the reruns. I'm still in hope that it's just going to stay on forever. But yeah. um, w- what was the real reason why the show got canceled? Uh, ratings. So, but I've heard it back and forth with ratings that the ratings were decent at one point. Too. No, 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 no. no. Uh, we had uh, an eight share at at the time, which t- in today's world is like the number one show on TV, right? Uh. But at the time, there were only <laughs> there were only four networks, um, and so wow. you had a bigger yeah. audience, um, and so that wasn't going to cut it. We were also on the number one network at the time. Uh, we were up against Friends and Mad About You, which were juggernauts. Yeah. Um, and um, we we lost that that time slot um, every every time we were on. Um, I think the show, to be honest with you, if there was the element that there was a show that was about it was a one hour drama, which is a a very difficult um, shooting schedule for anybody. Um, but when you have a 15-year-old girl who is the lead of that show, yeah. um, who's in almost every scene and having to go to school, I lot. think that takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think perhaps, I don't know, that her parents and her representation thought, you know, if the show continues in this way, it, is she going to physically be able to do it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she's a child at the time, and adults have to step in and make decisions. Yeah. Um, I I heard rumors that the show could have come back. I I think those are just rumors, to be honest. I think that the network needed to do what it needed to do at the time. Yeah. Do I wish they had gave, given it another chance? Uh, obviously, yes. Um, I I have fantasies uh, <laughs> about you know Ricky Vasquez and where he is and how he ended up. Where uh, is he right now? Um, you know, I, I have I have different uh, answers to that question all the time, but you know, what's the common the common denominator is that he probably is um, uh, a, a fashion designer yeah. of some sort. He probably was on a show like 
you know, Project Runway. Or <laughs> I love that. Because he's so charming, um, <laughs> so attractive, that he would be perfect for television. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So, he, you know, and he probably won, right? Like, he's of probably course. Christian Siriano or something. Yeah. <laughs> And how do you go about picking your projects? Because after that, you went on to do a variety of different television series. And then you were in another one of my favorite films, Party Monster, mm. with uh, Seth Green, Macaulay McCulkin, uh, Marilyn Manson. What attracted you to that project? Um, that you got to wear booty shorts and angel wings. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Did I wear booty shorts? You, you oh, was, you was my, my baby daddy for like three years after I saw that movie. I was like... This man with the angel wings, he can. Oh, I, I've never boy. done ecstasy. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, I will take ecstasy tab. My mom probably hates you. Wow, <laughs> the truth comes out. Um, I'm just saying. I'm really embarrassed now. Um, was I in booty shorts at one point? I, well, anyway, when you uh, come down from the thing. No, those were gold, like, lame pants. All right, there we go. I mean, Same I think thing. in your head I was... <laughs> in, my, in my head it was a lot of things. Um, <laughs> but um, how do I... Okay, so, it's, you know, as far as Angel and Party Monster, I mean, that was... Um, it was so different, right, yeah. from anything I had done. Yeah. It was um, a way for people to see me as an adult, right, not as a child anymore. Um, it was my, really my first adult film. Uh, not a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, you might want to clarify that. My first that role as an adult. It's my first adult role. But I mean, in <laughs> some <laughs> cases. In your head. In your head, with the booty shorts, apparently. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, it, 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 it was a way for me to reintroduce myself. And, yeah. uh, oh, I reinvent myself. Um, but also, I thought uh, the story was really fascinating. I thought um, nobody had really dealt with who this person was. There was so much attention around Michael Alec and... Um, what he did um, there was nobody really talking about the victim in this mm -hmm. and I wanted to take on you know giving a face and some some language to who this person was because it became the story became so much about oh the club kids and all of the you know glamour that people um, thought was, were, was involved with it uh, but they weren't really talking about the fact that somebody was killed mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. and dismembered yeah. and put in a box and taken into the river. Um, so I wanted people to remember that. And so the the real reason why I wanted to take the film was the scene in which he in which Angel is killed, um, which to this day is one of the most haunting uh, things I've ever been a part of. Mm. Um, and I wanted it to be graphic, and I wanted you as a viewer to see it and really feel how terrible the act was, how heinous it was, um, and senseless. And so I think we achieved that. Yeah. Well, it was a, a great film, mm -hmm. uh, another classic, so you pick projects very well, apparently. <laughs> and then f also, uh, you worked with Natasha Leon on, on that, yeah. who is now in Origins of New Black. Yes. And what do you feel about that series? That's, that's is that, my show. Is that one of your favorites? <laughs> that is my show. I binge watch it. I think, I, you know, I've watched, I watched both seasons um, in two days. Uh, you know, when the first season came out, I watched it straight through. Yeah. Um, and same for the second season. Um, and, and I have friends on it, so because Leah Delary is also Leah an old Delary. friend of mine. We know each other from New York. Uh, Laverne Cox and I have become friends. Um, Natasha and I actually had the same manager for a long time um, it's when we did Party Monster, actually. Anyway, so um, I, I'm obsessed with the show. What's, what's so great about the show, it, to me anyway, is... Um, you know, in my work at GLAAD, I call, you know, what we call for every day is that that we see more of a diversity of of not just LGBT people, but 
of people yeah. on on screen. And here's a show that's predominantly all female, and you you can't have a more diverse cast yeah. Yeah. as far as you know race and size and attitude and you know it's it's really quite brilliant actually um and these actresses are at the top of their game yeah. i mean every single one of them mm -hmm. um i'm i mean i'm shocked that they that that's that those are the only uh emmy nominations they got i doubt mm -hmm. yeah. they could they could have given it to all of them to yeah. be honest with you um, and I love that it's such an ensemble cast yeah. and, and that it, it walks this fine line of, of comedy and drama and does it so seamlessly. Um, and, and the fact, I could, I could go on and on, and the fact that they, they have Laverne Cox playing this character who is, you know, not just highly entertaining, but um, illuminating, right? Like she is um, really opening... Uh, the possibility for people to understand what it's like to be a transgender person yeah. um, and, and, and kind of experiencing it through her. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, yeah, and they are getting. And they I mean, did they're get the they're Glad Media it. Award for comedy this year, so and yeah. I pushed for that. So. They're killing everyone. Right no. That's right, you got the power. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. No, I have no. I, I don't pick the winners. <laughs> Wink, wink, right? <laughs> no, wink, no, wink. I don't. And then you, you've worked in, uh, like, as I mentioned, more television shows, West Wing to NCIS to Closer. What's been one of your favorite TV shows to work on? Um, it's like asking me to choose between my babies. It's like Sophie's Choice. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I, from the moment the West Wing was on, I, I was like, I'm going to be, I'm going to yes. be on the West Wing. Yeah. <laughs> and for so many of those years, I was too young or looked too young to be on the show. And then finally, there was, it was the perfect time. It was the perfect role. And, um, and it was an odd, it, the, the first episode I did um, was an odd episode because, um, you know, Aaron Sorkin and his writing team, really, they write every single line. Yeah. But in this episode, it was all improvised. The whole episode, you know, oh, then wow. we had like a, we had a skeleton of what the, of, of what the, the, the scenes were. But then because it was like a documentary styled episode, they, they had us improvise a lot of it. And Allison Janney is amazing. And so I played part of her staff. And you just kind of created this really ambitious um, guy who basically wants her job eventually. Not now. It's not like he's trying to take her job from her. But I wanted to play this, this gay character who, you know, had ambition, right? And, um, and I remember the best, the best part of the day was, uh, of, the, of the time on there was they just had this time where they were going to do these live interviews with us. And they were like, oh, we're in between takes. We're just going to stick the camera on you. We're going to ask you a bunch of questions. And you just answer them in character. And I was like, yes. Because, <laughs> you know, they did not know that I had written a backstory. I had all <laughs> planned out. And so they asked me the magic question. They were like, so how did you get your job at the White House? And I said, well. And then it's all in the episode. And then they, they, the director uh, called Cut. And he just looked at me. He was like, you've got <laughs> and it all stayed in. It was, I, it was so much fun. Um, and you know, you get to play on that set that looks like the White House. Yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah. So uh, I love that. I you know, I loved. Um, I did an episode of Ally McBeal mm -hmm. way back in the day. Um, I loved that. I, I did like an arc on the show called Raising the Bar. Raising the Bar. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, that character um, was too much fun to play. Because I kind of made him a little crazy, you know. He was, he was a little off, and I enjoyed that. 
little off. Tell us a little bit about uh, your experience on Noah's Ark playing Doctor. Oh. How did you get involved with the project, and you know what? Why did you want to? Do um, it? So you know, I, I uh, one of my all-time favorite jobs. I love them all. I'm mean, honestly, I really do. But I really loved that job. Um, so what happened was what ha happened was <laughs> what happened uh, was uh, I did the last season of Party of Five, and one of my my oldest friends, Patrick Polk was making a film called Punks. Um, and he had written a role in, in this indie film for me, and I couldn't do it um, because I have my schedule on Party 5. And so um, so then he came to me after we finished Party of 5 a few years later, and he was like, hey, I'm doing this other series. Would you come on and, and play this part? And um, I was like, sure. And he so explained it to me, and he was like, he's a doctor, and he's like basically Prince Charming, but you know, he's also... HIV positive, and I was like, okay, I like that. Um, and what I liked about it was the show is really having a conversation with um, African American and Latino yeah. gay men, and um, and and larger society about who who, who the African American and Latino gay man is, right? And so here was an opportunity to talk about um, about that, but also to talk about stigma yeah. and. Uh, uh, a, a, you know, within uh, HIV. And so um, here was this really amazing doctor who worked in, in HIV, had HIV, um, but was um, loving and, and sexual and sensitive and had his stuff together yeah. and, um, and, was, and was the probably the most emotionally stable yeah. and advanced um, character in the show. Um, and I met one of my best friends on that show, Daryl Stevens. Um, I mean, we had known each other, but we really became close uh, through the show. But um, I, I loved it. I, I wish I, I would if they did more of those, I would come back to do that. Yeah, that was yeah. another one that was yeah. canceled yeah. too yeah. soon. Why? What? What? Um, you guys I think were doing that was really the, well. Yeah, we were doing really well. I don't know the answer to that one. I think I think the network had some turnover, executive-wise, and we're looking at. You know, changing what the network was was focusing on producing. I don't. I don't know. Oh. Maybe it got too expensive to make. Was a rumor I heard because uh, we shot up in Vancouver, mm -hmm. um, and mm. then they made the movie, and I was doing. Um, He's just not that into you at the same time, mm -hmm. and I I had to do that because yeah. because I had Cause to. Do you that. had to. Do <laughs> that. Yeah, because that was. Yeah, a we won't say yeah. Uh, so speaking of logo, you uh, recently um, got into a little dispute uh, oh. with RuPaul over the word tranny. Uh, did I get in a dispute with her? Oh, I'm sorry, well, there, I'm sorry was not, there was a dispute. dispute. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, using the word tranny, uh, and logo wanted to distance themselves from Ru. How do you feel about that? Well, here's what happened. Um, there was there was a uh, a game that. Um, was played on RuPaul's Drag Race called um, uh, I don't remember. Oh, it, well, I don't even remember what the name was called. What the name? What the game was called? But it was basically they had to. They had to. They showed photos of a of, pe of a part of a body, and they the players had to decide if it was a real woman or uh, 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 you know or um, or not. What they were calling not a real woman. Um, and that's offensive, right? Because uh, we all get to decide 
what our gender identity is. Yeah. Um, and we are, if you are a woman, you are a real woman. If you say you're a real woman, you are a real woman. That's just, that's it. You get to, we all get to choose what our gender identities are. Um, and so um, then there was the whole she-male um, mm -hmm. uh, controversy. Um, and, and the thing about the, the word she-male here is that and this is what we have to remember when we're talking about words is that, you know, all over this country, all year long, um, violence against trans women, especially trans women of color, is um, prevalent. Yeah. And one of the very last things that a trans woman hears right before she's killed or beaten um, severely are words like tranny um, and she male. Um, and other words, and so when you're a trans person and you're you're just you're just at home, eating your dinner, just like any other American, mm -hmm. and you have your favorite TV show on, and you have to sit there and have people make fun of your anatomical body, um, and use and throw out words that you know people use um, violently towards you every day. Yeah. Um, then when a, a community says enough. Um, I, as a person who's not part of that community, by the way, need to listen and respect their point of view. I am not a trans person, but I am an ally of, a tra of trans people. And um, I will stand by them and say, and, and, and fight with them when they say that there is a word that is offensive to them that should no longer be used. Yeah. I don't get to choose what that word is. They do. Just like I don't like people calling me a fag, I don't want to hear that on television. Um, and I fight every day to make sure that that, that, that doesn't happen. Um, they have the same right. And the thing that's different now, this is the thing that people are upset about, is that, oh, there was a time, you know, you hear this all the time. Well, we used to be able to say it. Well, guess what? The trans community <laughs> was not at a point where it is now, where it's empowered yeah. to speak for itself, to say, you know what, we don't, we, we don't want that word yeah. used. We've never liked it. We just never had the 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 ability to actually um, to 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 use our voices to say that we yeah. don't we didn't like it so now they do and parts of our own community are saying that um, that that they're being unreasonable no that's unacceptable to me um, they suffer enough indignities um, their lives are hard enough the least I can do. Uh, the least any of us can do when one of our brothers and sisters in our community says enough is stand with them. Yeah. And that's how I see it. Mm. I see it like mm. as if my brother, right, my brother or my, if I had a sister uh, came to me and said, you know, I don't like when you call me that. It's my brother and my sister. I'm not going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's all there is to it. Yeah. Um, there's enough hate um, and misunderstanding coming to us from people outside of our community that um, at the very least within our community we can stand next to each other and stand for each other. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that the argument that was even used was the fact that we were used to be able to use this word that's because right. that's like... We used to that, say a lot that, of words. We used to say, right. exactly. we used to say <laughs> a lot of things that, that we better not say no more. Right. Nobody better say it. You know? right. So that's a crazy argument within Here's itself. Here's a random question about that though because I was actually wondering this the other day. Maury Povich, he used to do that episode where you had to guess if it was a man or a woman, right? Yeah. Yes, he did. I yeah. haven't seen that in quite some time and I'm wondering if they pulled that type of episode for that 
exact. You mean that if they pulled reasoning. it for the show? Meaning they pulled Stop it. No, no, they stopped using it on Maury because oh. they don't. Uh, is Maury still on TV? Oh, yeah. Maury going celebrating like twenty five years. He moved or his show crazy. to Connecticut where he lives. And, and oh, Jerry right. Springer. Oh, and Jerry Springer. But I just that's just Which one thing scary. I noticed that they pulled from the show, and I thought, and now that you're saying that, I wonder if that was a conscious decision to do that in respect to. Hmm. I have. I that didn't even community. know he was still on. So I just wanted <laughs> to answer that you question. You learn something new every day. Oh. <laughs> Earning. But you got your question in. You got that. that was very important. <laughs> I mean, I've just been carrying. Call Maury or Connie. I will call we'll Connie. Yeah. Recently, you took on another role, a co-host for Raising McCain um, oh, yeah. with Megan McCain. Um, how did you get involved with that project? Um, so I met, I, I met Megan McCain at Thomas Roberts' wedding. I, I lead the gayest life in the world um, <laughs> for a single man. Um, and so... I went to her wedding. I met I, not her wedding. I went to Thomas Ro- Roberts' wedding, and she was there because at the time she was, because um, because Thomas and her used to work together at MSNBC, so she started working for this new network, Pivot, where she had a new docu series on docu talk series, um, and she was going to do an episode about that was just all about LGBT issues because she's a huge ally. Yeah. Um, and so she asked me if I wanted to come and co-host it. So that. So I did. But since then, she's now moved from that show to now co-host their daily um, wrap-up current events show uh, called Take Part Live. And so Mm. I just guest-hosted that uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, She is um, a huge ally to the community, and she takes um, a lot of stuff. Yeah. Within her own uh, political party, because of it, especially because her last name is McCain. Yes. yes. Um, yeah. And she is one of my personal heroes. We don't agree on a lot of things, but we have enough love and respect for each other um, that we can have our differences. Um, and and she um, she's she her whole heart is in making people understand that we all have to be better allies. Um, and um, so recently she actually joined the board of GLAAD um, in May. And so she, um, she's, she's just fantastic. And um, I'm really, really proud of her. And, you know, uh, I, I, have, I have some really great friends in this industry. And I, and I never would have thought that I would have ever been friends with Megan McCain. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, I, I would never guess that on, either. I worked on both Obama campaigns. Like, I was a surrogate. I was a Latino surrogate mm-hmm. and an LGBT, LGBT surrogate for him. For, for the president, and um, and obviously she's John McCain's daughter. Yeah. So we were on opposite sides, and she has she carries a, a lot of um, pain around what that yeah. that campaign was, mm-hmm. and the fact that we've been able to create this friendship aside from that um, is really really fantastic. So if she and I can do it, yeah. everyone can be united. Are you listening, yeah. Congress? Uh, <laughs> but in saying that, thinking about what's going on specifically in the Republican Party, and it almost seems like it's retroacting, like in terms of LGBT issues and a variety of other issues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving forward, having worked on political campaigns and seeing that, we obviously in two years will be voting for a president again. Do you think they're even going to be able to be relevant at that point? Because they seem like they can't reconcile any of the issues that could... I, I don't see how they do it, honestly. And, and I, Megan and I have talked about this, actually. Well, let me not put words in her mouth. But, you know, if, if they don't start figuring out the fact that the fastest growing population in this country are Latinos, um, that 
marriage equality is going to happen. I mean, just today, the uh, uh, the 10th District Federal Court struck down the Oklahoma ban on, on um, same-sex marriage again uh, in Oklahoma. <laughs> Do I need to take yeah, a pause for yeah. you to take in Oklahoma? Yeah, I think I, think I need to take um, that in. Right, <laughs> right. Oklahoma. Uh, right. Which I believe this this um, district court also affects Utah, yeah. which is also which has which that yeah. state Supreme Court has also um, struck down their um, federal ban or their state ban on marriage, uh, same sex marriage. Um, so clearly, the wind is it's at our backs. <laughs> so um, so I don't understand why they're so tone deaf on these issues. Um, as a Democrat, um, uh, you know, it, 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 it feels good to me, but as an American, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> as an American and someone who, f who really wants us to get beyond these issues, um, it, it, it baffles me that in 2014, we're still talking, we're, we're still, we still have a political party that is still talking in terms of race, in terms of immigration, in terms of um, who we love, how we love. Um, and gender in the ways that we do. Um, this morning, it was you know, really interesting. Somebody uh, on NPR was talking about the fact that you know, the two people that people are talking about the most for the Democratic nomination for president are women, mm -hmm. yeah. Elizabeth Warren and, and Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton yeah. And this, I can't remember who the woman was who was on NPR this morning and, sh and was asked a question. was like, what do you think of the fact that, you know, that it's two women? And she was like, I can't believe that it's 2014 and you're asking me how what I, I, what, what <laughs> I think about right, that. Right, what do you think like, about that? Yeah. It's 2014. Yeah. Like, of course. It should not be a big deal, but the fact of the matter is it you still know, is. It is. Yeah. And, um, you know, Hillary has said she put cracks in that ceiling. It, nobody's gotten through it yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't, I don't understand uh, why the Republican Party continues to paint itself or, or really has, uh, is willing to live or die by these draconian beliefs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I'm not a Republican, so I can't. So, really would you ever would you ever run for office by any any level? Um, uh, not now. Okay. But the thought was. But the thought. There. Is, but I feel like there. it's there. I feel uh, like it's there. You know, there. like here's the thing. Like if I felt like I could actually be useful, um, around you know, and, and be um, productive, and get some things done, sure. You know, I, I, I'm a proud American and I want to be a good citizen and, and do my part. Um, is that where I'm striving to go? It's no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but, you know, I, I, I've never said no to anything, right? Like, I'm not going to sit here and say, I'll never, I would never right, do that. Right. I'm open to all possibilities. That's what's exciting about life, right? You never That's know true. what's, what's around the corner. That's true. Um, but yeah, I, ne I never thought I was going to be the national spokesperson for GLAD. You know, I thought, I, but here I, but I am. And how has that affected your life? Um, it's been a, an incredibly um, educational experience for me. Um, I've always been an activist. Um, like I said, I worked on the campaigns for the president, and um, I've, I've I've worked at other na um, national organizations, uh, LGBT organizations. I was a field organizer uh, for the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force, and I 
went across the country trying to pass uh, uh, human rights or to having human rights ordinances include sexual orientation in the human rights ordinances in states across the country. Um, the thing about GLAD that's that's been great is um, I get to work directly with uh, the entertainment industry yeah. um, and try to affect the way that they that the entertainment industry works and represents LGBT people. So really my focus has been about having conversations with uh, studios and networks and agencies and managers on, about how they do a better job yeah. um, around LGBT issues. How do we have more, a more diverse um, representation of LGBT people? The fact of the matter is, and, and here's the thing, and I'm, and the, you know, we, we put out these reports every year. We're about to put out our film report on Tuesday, July 22nd, and um, w where we look at the quality and the quantity of LGBT characters in mainstream films from the se from the seven major studios, mm -hmm. and none of them are doing great. I was yeah. gonna say. Okay, <laughs> there were. I think there were 120 films released by all seven of them, and 17 of those films. 17 of those films had LGBT people in it. Wow. Mm. Um, most of those people were white gay men, and they were used for the butt of a joke or to right. land a joke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're barely on screen most of the time. I'm talking about mainstream films. I'm not talking about it, like independent films. But the reason why it's important to talk about mainstream films is that this is where these studios put most Make of their, their resources. Yeah. This is where they put all of their money. These are the movies that get across the oceans, uh, where they are seen by people in Russia, where they're seen by people in China, where they're seen by people in Africa. Yeah. Right. Where where people are suffering every single day because they are LGBT. And so it's important, not, not just because, um, well, it's important because when we are seen, we're, we're a joke to them. Um, and if we're not seen, then we, they don't think we exist at all. Exactly. So, um, you know, my job really at GLAD has been about how do we do better? How do we start pushing the envelope and moving that dial. Um, and it's not been easy, right? We, this is the second year that we put out that report and we've seen very little movement. Some, a couple of studios moved up, a couple of studios moved down. Um, so what gives me hope is this. Uh, we put out television reports years ago um, where, you know, if you, we think back 10 years, 15 years uh, as to LGBT representation on television, there was very little. Yeah. Then GLAD started reporting on where we were mm -hmm. on television, um, and we started to see some movement very slowly. And now, this past Emmy Awards uh, nominations, the most Emmy Award nominations that, that, that have been given to LGBT characters yeah. and LGBT people. Yeah. Um, and, and shows like The Fosters, uh, shows like Modern Family, um, that have LGBT characters are the most watched shows on TV. Yeah. So what does that tell us? That tells us when you show the world as it is, people watch it because they see themselves in it. They want to see themselves in it. They want to relate to the people on TV. So if we can get the film studios to understand that and replicate it, not only are we helping move the dial as to representation, but 
they're going to make money. Right. Mm -hmm. And p more people are going to see their product because that's, those, that's the kind of thing that people clearly want to see yeah. just based on their television viewing. Yeah, and they're obviously, like, we have people, like, for the African-American, Shonda Rhimes, who's done amazing jobs well, with the diversity. Way, I mean, I did an episode of Grey's Anatomy. I'm yeah. obsessed with her. You, yes. So, yeah. but I just saw um, uh, How murder? to Get Away with Murder. Oh. You're not, you're not ready. <laughs> no? Really? You are not. There's so much hype around that. You are not ready. No, it has to be amazing. You're not ready. There's no way. First of all, one of the most complex and fascinating female characters... Forget female. One of the most fascinating and complex characters, characters. I've ever seen mm -hmm. as a lead of a television wow. show. Wow. That's really? my West Wing. My yeah. will be yes. on that show. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, I just, I just, yeah, it's going to be great. And I, know, I know we have to wrap up, but uh, it's interesting because you talked about um, white gay male characters uh, on, on TV or in movies playing this this niche role that is usually used for the butt of a joke. Mm -hmm. And recently an article came out uh, from a woman and it was called Dear Gay White Men. Oh yeah. Um, Stop Stealing Bla uh, Black Women black Subculture. subculture. Mm -hmm. um, what was your response to reading that article? Would you, would <laughs> I, I, th you, I think uh, I know about the pause. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you feel you know, about just the topic in general? Especially oh, living out here in Los Angeles. How much time do we have? Listen, you <laughs> take as much time as you need. We want to hear the answer to this. You take as much time as you need. Um, I mean, uh, there's so, okay. Here's the thing. There, there's so many things involved here. There is exactly. racism and there is misogyny. There is sexism involved. Um, do I think there is malice when gay men, white or otherwise? Sass it up. Sass up. I do not. I do not think that there's malice in it. Um, do I think there is a lack of, um, of um, acknowledgement of privilege? Absolutely. Right? So you are taking on this character um, not knowing that the reason why this, char this character or caricature exists is because uh, black women, and I can't, I'm not a black woman, but black women have endured, I'm not, have <laughs> endured so much that yeah. they have had to um, create a, person, a persona that has allowed them to move through the world, right? And some of that is about owning your power, right? Sure. And taking yeah. it on um, and not being apologetic. Um, that's not where white gay men see it as are speaking from right because as um as difficult as a white gay man's life can be it will never be as difficult as a black woman's life preach on brother i mean you know <laughs> so yeah. i mean there's a lot going on but do i think there is malice do you feel like it stems no. a lot from media and as to why the gay, the white gay culture picked this personality trait up, or I don't know. I'm gonna have to think on that one. 
Is it media? Sure. I mean, in the sense of, I mean, when you uh, you know go back and watch television, you know, the gay white male was a niche character. The the black woman on television was a niche character. Usually, both comedy, mm-hmm. uh, a funny role, and would you say that that you know helped push that train, or it, it does come from a place of both people feel, you know, inferior to? Yeah. Yeah, I think media has a lot to do with it. I think, look, I, do I think that white gay men can look at a, a, a black woman character or, or this character and, and see themselves in it? Sure. You can see some of it yourself in yeah. that, yes. But you are not assessed. that yeah. person. <laughs> right. And, and I think checking your privilege when somebody, when, when somebody calls you out on it is, is healthy. I get called out on mine. All the time. <laughs> All the time. And I have to, you know, I take pause. I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to have to. It just happened recently. It just happened recently. And, you know, our, you know, our backs get up. You know what I mean? We're like, we, we get very defensive when somebody says, you're not acknowledging your privilege in this. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go there, right? And I have to stop myself and go, is this true? You know? And... It just happened the other day. I was like, you know what? You're right. You are absolutely right. I am. I have a lot of privilege, and I'm not really acknowledging that here. Yeah. And that's a hard pill mm-hmm. to swallow, yeah. especially as a person of color, yeah. right? Yeah. As a gay person of color, if I can do it, I would say to some gay white man, you can do it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Do I think there's malice in it? I'm going to go back to that. No, I do not. Great. I, that was an that's amazing a, statement. Was, now, mm-hmm. tell us about this show called Red Band Society that you're going to um, be on. Yay. Let's get a little right. lighter. Right. 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 He got <laughs> deep on us. Right. That will um, be appearing on Fox. Yes, Fox. Uh, Red Band Society uh, premieres September 17th, Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Yeah. Uh, stars Octavia Spencer. Yeah. Love Octavia. Uh, uh, Viola Davis's uh, <laughs> co-star yes. in The Help, Oscar winner Oct- Octavia wow. Spencer. Um, and you play a and character I named pl- Kenji? I play Kenji Gomez-Rejon. And w- it takes place at a hospital. Uh, Octavia and I are both uh, nurses uh, who've known each other a very long time. And uh, there is a group of kids who live in this pediatric ward that we work on um, who, l- who live there because of their circumstances and create this bond, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's like brec- the breakfast club. Um, in a pediatric ward, they live together. They have to endure each other. They have to learn how to love each other and live together. Um, and, um, and, you know, it's about, you know, it's, it's about one of the, one of my favorite things about life. It's like that moment when, um, when somebody you hardly know becomes somebody you cannot live without. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that moment is so beautiful to me. And that's what all of these people are experiencing with each other. And, you know, and not everybody is exactly who you assume they are. Right, we all there are prototypes, but within those prototypes, people are complex, um, and so the series is really about discovering what those are and how these people come together. And it's beautifully, beautifully written. Um, I said I wouldn't come back to TV unless it was really great, and I, I could not have asked for anything better than this. What's something that this show has taught you that you? Well, I've only done a pilot so far. Um, but, um, I, I, I think that 
it gives, you know, just the pilot alone gives me hope, right? Yeah. It's a hopeful pilot in, in the sense that these people are all coming from very different places um, in their lives and socioeconomic realities and race, and, um, and yet they find ways to connect. And, um, and that's what I want to celebrate. I want to I dig into that possibility and give that to the world. Um, it's based on a show uh, that's been done in uh, Spain called um, Pulseras Roja, uh, Rojas, um, I believe. I hope that's right. It sounded good. Okay. Um, and so it was very successful there. Um, I think it was replicated somewhere else, and this is the American version. And Margaret Nagel, um, who's brilliant, is um, writing the whole show and creator, and it's just... I'm very proud of it. I'm excited. So we start production in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing it because uh, from your um, past projects you, you've picked, we've all loved them, so I'm sure this would be another hit for you. Thank you. I appreciate that. If you could use one word to define you, what would it be? Powerful. Ooh. Oh. I don't think we have not we gotten that gotten one. That we one. haven't gotten that one. I felt no. like he was going to say prideful. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I ain't going to lie. I thought he was going to say prideful. Just after the too. beginning <laughs> of the, 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 the role of the P. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. If fans want to find out more about you and, your, and all your projects and, and Glad, where can they find you on social media? Uh, on Twitter, I am WCruz73. Uh, I have a fan page on Facebook, Wilson Cruz, obviously. Uh, I'm on Instagram also, WCruz73, the year I was born. <laughs> I'm 40. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, please visit glad.org. We have a, a blog there where we report on LGBT happenings uh, all across the world. All right. Awesome. Courtney, where can your fans find you? Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Stuart Starlet. Jesse? Everywhere at DJ Jesse J. And you can find me at Daryl Kristen everywhere as well on social media. Wilson, once again, it's been an absolute been pleasure, pleasure having you, you in having today. Me. And thank you for all the information that you shared with us about your life and your career. Look forward to seeing your new show as well. Mm -hmm. Be sure September to check out 17th, Fox. Society, Fox September. He'll Boop. be there. Thank you for watching Black Hollywood Live Portraits, and we'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> From producers Maria Menounos, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire BHL crew, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live. The first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I'm your BHL announcer, Scipio. Instagram me at Planet Scipio. Thank you for tuning in. The views expressed here are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals. Thanks for watching Black Hollywood Live on YouTube. For more in-depth interviews and news, subscribe to our channel here. And be sure to share your opinion in the comment section below here. See you soon, everyone. Bye.